1: dynamic forces in the plant-based movement on our show today. Wild earth, wild earth. You may remember them from Shark Tank. The One of the founders, uh, Ryan Bethencourt, went on Shark Tank and wowed Mark Cuban and Mark Cuban invested in this incredible product. And uh, we have the chief product officer, Abril Estrada with us today. Abril, you guys are knocking it out of the park. How did this come together? My dogs go crazy for these Wild Earth uh, treats. They are plant-based, but they are also packed with protein. Tell us all about it.
2: Yes, hi, Jane, and I'm super happy to be here. Um, you know, Wild Earth is is an unexpected success. Um, we we were really really excited to get Wild Earth off the ground and. Wild well, is almost four years old now, which is unbelievable, right? You would think that we've been here for a while, but um, it's it's going to be four years. Our anniversary is, um, actually, it is four years. It's October already. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so we are officially four years old. Um, but back in 2016 is when I met my co-founder, Ryan, and our other co-founder, Ron Shigeta. Um, it was pretty serendipitous, actually. We met through... One of my good friends, uh, Kristen Sinch, which is also friends with Ryan and currently um, our head of HR, and so we were gym buddies, which is the craziest thing. Uh, We were gym buddies, and I was talking to her, and I just mentioned, you know what, I was in the food space, Um, I'm in product development, I'm a scientist myself, so I was developing food products, and at the time, I just really wanted to work on something that was more impactful more exciting and more on the, the cutting edge of science, right? And so I just talked to her about this stuff. And she's like, you know what? You should meet my friend Ryan because he's like, this is right up his alley. And so she hooked us up. Uh, we, we had some drinks and we just talked about science. We talked about food. Um, he invited me over to VegFest in Oakland. And so that's where I met Ron. And then this sort of just developed into um, an ongoing relationship um, I was able to meet up with them at IndieBio because they were at IndieBio, which is a, a biotech accelerator. And then a few months after that, they called me up and they said, hey, we have this idea. Hear us out. And I'm like, mm, very suspicious here. But we met up um, and they told me that they had an idea to replace um, meat in pet food. It's like, you know, we, we're going to use um, It's going to be great. It's going to be the next alternative protein. And, you know, we're going to remove animals from pet food entirely. And I was really, I was really skeptical and also a little bit shocked that it was pet food. Like the idea was pet food because at that point, you know, I had worked in human food for a while. And so pet food didn't seem like, you know, exciting or shiny or anything of the sort. But then the more that I thought about it, um, you know, for me, I really crave innovation and science driven projects. And so, the idea of working on something that's been pretty static for the past 70, 70 years, 60 years. I mean pet food has not changed. the industry has not changed. There's been very, very little innovation um, in you know since since the 50s, I would say 60s that when you know the first kibbles and canned food came out. And so I thought more about it at first I was like, I don't know about pet food, but then I thought more about it. I had more conversations with Ron and Brian. And then I was like, okay, let's do this. And so we started working, you know, like in true startup fashion, we started working out of Ron's basement in my kitchen. We created the first kibble prototype. We put our business plan together. And then in 2017, we were, we were up and running.
1: Whoa. And guess who is thrilled to hear <laughs> that? Okay. <laughs> this? Who do we have with us? <laughs> This is little Rico. He's my rescue from Puerto Rico, and uh, he absolutely loves wild earth treats. In fact, he's eyeing that package right now, saying, let me down. The truth is that if uh, dogs and cats in the United States were their own country, they would be one of the largest meat-eating countries in the world. So all these people who say they're animal lovers are actually contributing to animal suffering without really realizing they're doing so, thinking that they have to give this to their dogs and cats. But let's stick with dogs for the moment Uh, because if they don't give this to their dogs, uh, the dogs are not gonna get the nutrients. And we've been talking about uh, plant-based dog food and alternatives to traditional dog food a lot on Jane Unchained. And one of the things that one of the uh, experts said Dogs need nutrients, they don't necessarily need ingredients. So what is it, before we get to your cell-based ventures, which are also extraordinary, what is it about Wild Earth, and I'll show you, that gives them, oh, he's, he's. uh, He's (laughs) already, he's already ready. Here it is, here is these, and I crumble them up, I put it in their food, uh, their other plant-based food, I uh, feed it to them as treats, Um, they love it. What is it that makes this, the Wild Earth. This is your initial project product, the Wild Earth biscuit. What is it that makes it uh, fill with protein and yet be plant based?
2: So that that's basically our secret. What you hold, what you were holding there are um, our treats. Uh, we we since uh, we've since launched our food. So our food has been in market for about two years, but both our treats and our food are high in protein, um, especially our food. So we really focused on delivering high protein, high clean protein food to pets. Um, the secret for us is really in the use of fungi. So when people think about plant and plant-based foods, you know, it's always um, chickpeas and lentils or you know some, some combination of plants, but we always forget about the kingdom of fungi, right? It's like we have this entirely separate kingdom and most people are familiar with mushrooms and they, you know, if if, if you're vegan vegetarian, you have mushrooms in your diet all the time. And so um, we forget about this other kingdom that's a lot more diverse, a lot more vast. And it's actually closer, like if you, if you take a look at the nutritional value of fungi and mushrooms, they're actually closer to meat than plants are. And so we were thinking about this and we're like, okay, it makes sense to be using fungi in food. And we've already, you know, as humans, we've already been eating fungi for millennia, right? It's like, especially in Asian diets. And so that's where we got our inspiration originally. We knew that in a lot of Asian diets, Japanese diets, this fungus koji, So if you're familiar with miso soup, if you're familiar with um, sake, um, soy sauce, koji is used to ferment a lot of those foods and give them the savory flavor. But it turns out koji is also really high in protein. It's about like 44, 45% protein. And so when we looked at that that particular koji and all the other fungi, um, we saw that they were really nutritious, not just protein, but they had a lot of other nutrients like B vitamins. Uh, healthy fibers, um, you know, it's just like the list goes on and on. And in the, the balance of the amino acid sequences, like everything was just amazing. When we looked at it, it's like, why aren't, why aren't we using this in food already? And so that was sort of our secret sauce. We started using fungi in combination with plant ingredients to really give this well-balanced, nutritional, high-protein, um, diet and so that started with our treats which are a little bit lower in protein because they are treats um, but once there you have it yes yes there it is once we came out with our food you know we, we decided like this is this is it you know and and really for the people that are thinking you know with plant-based you've never really get enough protein this is really defying that 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 statement because we're probably you know we're definitely higher in protein than any other plant-based um, diet for dogs but we're Also beating a lot of the conventional meat diets and protein.
1: So tell us what's in here. These are the actual, uh, kibble Kibble. that Mm -hmm. I feed to my dogs. They love it. And, uh, what is like, this is a little bit different than the treats.
2: Yes. Yes. So what you're holding there is a nutritionally balanced food. So nutritionally complete, you don't need to feed anything else for your dog to be set for the day. So, um, our main ingredient there is not koji is actually yeast um, because we found that yeast was equally nutritious, but it really helped us speed up our project. We, we, saw, we saw it as really value added um, and so it's a combination of yeast, it's a combination of chickpeas, oats, um, as well as a whole other list of ingredients, spinach, blueberries. Um, you name it. I mean, we we really have a well balanced diet there. Um, the nice thing about this is that we're not just talking about protein; we're talking about whole nutrition. So you're getting um, a combination of high protein along with really healthy fiber. So not just crude fiber, um, which is not necessarily the best thing for your dog. You're getting a lot of digestible, soluble, and fermentable fibers that help with gut health. And so what we've heard from a lot of our customers is that when their dogs go onto this diet. They're, you know, like with, when, if you have a dog and you know this Jane, when you have a dog, you're always paying attention to their poop. And so what we found is that a lot of people have come back and said, Hey, their poops are a lot, you know, they used to be a little bit loose. Now they're firm. They're like a little bit, um, they're not as dry. They're just, you know, just perfect. And so people can actually see the effect on the gut health because we have this really amazing balance of healthy fibers in the food as well. So it's not just about the protein; it's about everything else that's in there, and fiber is a key ingredient. You hear that? You're getting <laughs> about your poops. Um, so,
1: what about the whole issue of veterinarian uh, expertise guidance? Do you have vets? Because sometimes you'll go to a vet, and you'll get this real heavy pushback from old school, just like people. You know, I've been plant based. Uh, Quarter of a century, and if I go into a doctor with a sprained uh, toe or finger, somehow some of these doctors will try to make it about the fact that I'm vegan. I'm like, what about all the people out there on gurneys who look like they're on their last breaths who aren't vegan? Do you make it about the fact that they eat meat <laughs> when they come in here? Um, so, so how do you deal with that? The veterinary world can be very um,
2: resistant to change. Yes, and you know what's important to note is that. Um, you know the the we sort we, so uh, veterinarians and nutritionists are are sort of two completely different fields of of medical science right and so and in nutritional science for dogs and so or for pets and so when we developed this food, we wanted to reach out and make sure that we had a safe food. That we weren't we weren't justifying the odds just to just to do it right. We wanted to make sure that we had a safe product, and so we did consult with veterinarians. We consulted with nutritionists. We consulted with animal scientists. We have them within our team. We have we have a great, amazing team um, internally, but also consulted externally to make sure that we weren't just talking to ourselves. Um, and so, from a science perspective. We have a pretty solid food, right? Like it's nutritionally complete, um, and we have veterinarians that say, "Hey, this is perfectly healthy, right?" It's in, and and, and and so starting from that point, I think define that conventional wisdom, right? That says, "No, dogs need to eat need to meet, need to eat meat, right? They're descended of wolves. They, eat this is how you feed them." I think th- I think that that's that's been slow, right? I think some people are really willing to just take that leap of faith and say, "Hey, you know, maybe I don't need to." Maybe I need to feed this to my dog, um, but for the veterinarians out there, I think it's more of just you know we it's it's again we need to move beyond that old fashioned old way of thinking um, and really take a look at the science because this is science based right and so um, it's really like a lot of it is educational a lot of it is just conversational and discussion and, and trying to trying to like present all the data to the people that are data driven and let them know it's like hey, we're on the right path here. And this isn't just good nutritionally. It's also good for the environment, good for the animals, all animals, not just pets.
1: Yeah. And a quick thing, just look into the camera when you're talking. I appreciate it. Um, Yes. So uh, what's next? Because, uh, again, dogs in the United States, along with cats, would be one of the largest meat-eating countries in the world. There is a whole move toward plant-based for not only health, um, and there are studies undergoing right now that uh, are looking at whether longevity is increased, health is increased, just like with human beings. They found that, hey, when you get rid of meat and dairy, your cholesterol levels go down generally because there's no cholesterol in plants. uh, That reduces your chance of a heart attack, which is America's leading killer, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I know that there are those studies that are underway. But meanwhile, you're also unveiling cell-based meat, which is truly exciting in the sense that um, the idea that all dogs will become vegan overnight is uh, unrealistic, so you're filling in the gaps there. Tell us about the cell-based meat that you're developing. When is it going to come on the market?
2: So our goal is to be able to launch the first commercial cell-based meat product um, in a year's time. And so we're very, very excited about that. Like you said, there's going to be people that we're never going to be able to convince. um, And especially if you have a cat, right? Cats are obligate carnivores. And while we believe that we we can deliver a healthy plant-based diet, I think that it's going to be from an educational perspective and maybe like a a perception perspective, it's going to be hard for people to, to buy into a plant-based diet for their cats. Um, So we thought, okay, you know, our goal is to to end industrial farming, industrial agriculture. Um, We want to stop feeding animals to, um, to our pets. And so we're still keeping in with our mission, right? Our mission is still, is still, we're still holding true to that. And so we thought, okay, what about culture meat? And this, this has been a, an idea from the early, early times of wild earth. We've always thought about cell culture as this is the next phase of pet food as well. Right. Um, and so I'm happy to say that we've kicked off our project. We, we, we've started our project. So, it, and I, <laughs> I don't know how familiar you are with cell-based, but, um, you know, I can get into the science of it a little bit, but um, we, we're looking at animal, animal muscle cells and animal fat cells, right? Because that basically, in combination, gives you that that um, animal tissue. But the best part is that you can have, you can replicate the flavor, you can replicate the experience of meat without ever harming any animals. And so, you're growing these animal cells, you're growing your muscle cells, your fat cells in bioreactors, so basically you're brewing them like you would brew beer or, or wine, then um, at the end of this process, you have something that looks, um, maybe not necessarily feels just yet, we're not quite there yet, um, but you have something that has the same nutritional value without any of the negatives, right? Like the hormones, the contaminants, the toxins, any of that is just imi- You know, automatically taken out of the equation, but you have, in effect, you have meat that you can feed your dogs and cats. Um, and you have all the all the positives without the negatives.
1: Uh, this is absolutely fantastic, and I'm very excited to learn more about it. Uh, when do you think it's going to come on market? Because when you talk about cell-based meat, the first thing people say, well, it's extraordinarily expensive, and uh, there's no way that cell-based meat is ever going to be able to compete with a cheap dog food, uh, which often has... Uh, let's put it this way. God only knows where it came from ingredients. And that's one of the things that has become more uh, discussed recently. People used to just accept a can of dog food, and now we're hearing you know, that um, it's it's the dregs of of the meat industry. so be careful because um who knows, right? where yeah. where did, what what's the source of it? Yours is absolutely. Uh, identifiable what the source is and the source would be in particular cell-based meat a a brewery and I want to learn more about that so we're going to take a quick break on Voice America Radio we're going to be back in just a second
3: Are listening
0: to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: I'm Jane Velez-Mitchell with Jane on Jane News Network, a 501c3 nonprofit, with our mascot, Little Rico, our rescue from Puerto Rico. And we are here with Abril Estrada, Chief Product Officer for the incredibly dynamic, fast-growing, skyrocketing company, Wild Earth, maker of this initially vegan kibble, which is a vegan treats, vegan treats right here, from fungi, which is a, uh, what I've learned is it's neither a plant nor an animal. It's its own species and it's high protein and it has many of the same qualities as meat. Then they immediately moved to this, which is the kibble, which is taken off by storm and you can get it online. You can get it in many stores, but uh, there it is. Again, the fungi, and now they're moving into cell-based meat. We're talking with Abril Estrada, the Chief Product Officer. So exciting, so dynamic. First of all, let me say, you blew up after going on Shark Tank. And Mark Cuban, who I understand I've read anyway, is a vegetarian now, uh, loved your uh, leader doing the pitch, (laughs) uh, Ryan (laughs) Bethencourt, who's a great guy who I've met, and he's a scientist and he's also very dynamic and Mark Cuban invested in Shark Tank, and that was probably the moment where everything
2: changed. Can you tell us about that, Abril? Yes, and you know, I'll, I'll let you know, even now when I watch that episode of Shark Tank, my stomach's still in a knot. I know exactly what's gonna happen, but I still really get nervous and I'm anxious about, <laughs> um, you know, the whole storyline, because they really put Ryan through, through the grinder there during the episode, but um, yeah, so, we had this idea, we went on Shark Tank, um, I think it, it aired in March of 2019, I think is when that aired. Um, so already a couple of years ago, a little bit over two years ago. Um, and we knew it was going to be hard. You know, the the hard part about being on Shark Tank is that we were not in market yet. So this was something that they really, really laid on uh, Ryan for during the show because, you know, it was really like Wild Earth was an idea. We were working really, really hard in the background. But at the time that they taped the show, we didn't have any products in market. And so we knew that by the time we aired, we needed to be ready with at least one of our products. And so we were ready with our treats. And then soon after, we came out with the food. Um, And so Shark Tank aired, I think, in March of twenty nineteen, and then we had the food ready by July, and so what Shark Tank really enabled was for us to become um, a national brand overnight, which is not an easy thing to do, right? We we had this this spot on um, national television, primetime television, um, and so we just exploded after that, and it was it was really really fun. To watch that growth during those times, because eventually we became syndicated, and so every time they told us, "Hey, your episode's going to air," we would all sit around the computer and just like, as the show was going on, um, we would just sit around the computer and watch uh, our sales go up, and so it was super exciting. You know, it, it it really just gave us a spotlight and a platform that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, we've grown so much since then to the point where now when it airs, it really is like we see a little bit of a jump, but it's not, it's like a, a small jump compared to what it was before when we just see like this huge, huge increase in sales. Now it's just like a, a little bit of a bump now.
1: Yeah. My dog and I have another dog as well. Foxy, she should probably make an appearance at some point. So she doesn't call her agent. Um, but they love this, the treats. They love the kibble. Okay. And it's. Fungi, which is very protein-based. Tell us how you got the idea from going to that, which is 100% plant-based, to transitioning to a new product, cell-based meat, and how that cell-based meat is cruelty-free. Because um, I think a lot of people are concerned, animal lovers, well, yes, it's not killing animals in a slaughterhouse, but why... How and why is it cruelty-free? I think a lot of people are curious about that.
2: Yes, so... Excuse me. Um, So that's super important for us Um, cruelty free because you're never really um, you're never really harming the animal. Right. So but people (laughs) people will say, hey, you're still getting these animal cells and they're coming from an animal. But it really is basically like a little biopsy. So, you know, if you went to the doctor and they said, hey, what about this uh, mole you've got here? I'm going to take a little piece of it. It's basically the equivalent of that. So you're not really hurting any animals. You are taking a live sample. Um, in order to start your culture. But after that, the animal is no longer involved in that process. So
1: I want to break that down a little bit because mm-hmm. people have debated this and discussed this. So you're saying it's a one-time only thing? It's not where you have to go back repeatedly to the animal? Uh, tell tell yeah, me so about that. that. I mean, that is one, the goal. One, one, bi- one biopsy from one cow, for example, and you can build an entire vat filled with um, cell-based
2: meat? You can, right? And ultimately, the goal is to have these libraries of sales, basically. So if you think about like a a library, a true library, um, (laughs) if you think about a true library, right, you have these books, you just walk up to the shelf, and then you pick out like, oh, today, I want to read this book. Um, The goal with with um, cell based meat is to get to that point where you can walk up to your library of sales and say, you know, I need, I need, I need a chicken liver cell today. And so you walk up, you get your chicken liver cells or you just get chicken cells, right? If they're stem cells um, because it, because then you can transform those stem cells into anything that you really want, like any type of organ, whether it's muscle, whether it's liver, um, it can be fat cells, right? And so science has allow us, allowed us to get to a point where we don't need to keep going back to the animal to source any of these um, cells, right? Um, Right now the technology is advancing so quickly to the point where we're not going we're gonna need them at first, but then after we've created our, our library, then, then they're, you know then they're, the, the, the need to go back to the animal will be gone. So um, there's actually companies out there that are working solely on creating these libraries so they can source them to all of these other cell-based companies. Um, and so, you know, it's like the industry itself is creating the cycle where you're eliminating um, slaughtering, you're eliminating the need to create any ingredients um, that will come from animals altogether.
1: So, Foxy, he's, she's my rescue Foxy. Oh, there she is. Oh, there she is. Yes, little Foxy. She'd like to know when is this product coming on the market and what form will it take? Will it be a dry kibble? Will it be a wet dog food? How can we get it because I think that it's gonna be the ultimate game changer. Uh, But again, everybody says, well, you know, the cell-based meat is so expensive because it's, but obviously economies of scale. Tell us,
2: give us a sense of this. I mean, is it 2022? Absolutely, so our first product, we are, planning to launch it in 2022. So it's coming up, right? We're already working on it. Um, the goal is to launch in 2022. We're going to start with a biscuit similar to what you've shown us, um, which is going to be, yeah, similar to the, the Wild Earth treats. So it's going to be similar to that. Um, treats by treats by nature will tend to be lower in protein, so um, it won't be as high in protein, but we will be, yeah, we will be focusing a lot on Flavor. So, if your dog loves those biscuits, we're trying to like knock it out of the park for this next next round of treats. And so, our goal is to launch in 2022 with um, the cell based. With the cell, cell based. based. With the cell based. Yes, with the with the cell based. So, um, you know, stay tuned. A lot more. A lot more needs to come out of Wild Earth. Um, the goal is, and, and we're launching small. So it'll be a small launch, 2022, um, cell based. As you mentioned, economies of scale are super important to be able to bring price down and to be able to distribute, um, I guess, in just like widely across our, our market. And so, um, you know, launching small first will enable us to slowly build up on that volume. It'll help us learn what are people looking for, what are their concerns, and then we'll apply all of those learnings and be able to come back with an excellent product that hopefully meets, um, meets and meets all the standards or all of the expectations that folks have for meat and then just blows it out of the water because it's going to be clean. It's going to be still be healthy, but it's going to be no concerns, no pollutants, no um, euthanasia. You know, all of the concerns that people have when they're buying their, their pet food meat products will be gone.
1: Now you have gotten all this sounds expensive and that's why I was happy to read in your news release that you've gotten more than $20 million in funding from I guess you would call them angel investors, uh, but you elaborate. Tell us, uh, that's a vote of confidence,
2: extraordinary. Tell us about this funding that you've gotten. Yes, so $23 million um, to round off our, our A-series. Um, so this is, um, you know, we're calling it a, like an A-plus round, but it was led by our current investors. So they they were so excited about continuing Wild Earth's Growth um, that are investors at One Ventures and Veg Invest. Uh, Veg Invest has been with us from the very, very beginning. Uh, Amy Trikins Trisinski um, has been with us and um, you know she's she's a big advocate, um, huge vegan um and animals rights activist. And so um she really believes in us and she supported us through this this fine this last round that we've had. Um so yeah, 23 million dollars mostly to fund our growth as a company. So we're already implementing it changes. Actually, if you go to wildearth.com, you'll probably see that our website has changed a little bit. So we're making improvements across the board. We're not just focusing on our, on our food products. We're focusing on our digital products too. So um, the entire customer experience is going to be improved just from this last round of funding, so you'll you'll be hearing a lot more from us, and you'll be seeing a lot more products from us—not just cell-based, but our plant-based products. We're also expanding those lines, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing year for Wild Earth. We're we're gonna be growing a lot, and you know, it's gonna be thanks to all of our investors. Okay, so are, are you going public? I, <laughs> I don't think that's coming up anytime soon. So. Um, I mean, we're, we're leave the door excited. open. Leave the door open. Yeah, leave the door open. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. An IPO is definitely something that we're we're looking at, and we get really really excited about. Um, for us, it's really about continuing that growth. We're really not, you know, if anybody. If, We've had some some people approach us um, because they're interested in wild earth and acquiring wild earth. But for us, it's really it's really the passion that's driving us, and so we're just so excited to keep on keep on working um, on wild earth expanding. And so IPO, I would say yes, but, but it's going to be <laughs> a little a bit. of a political answer that, that yeah, it's going to be a while. <laughs> Door open, be a but
1: wild. doesn't could doesn't <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I got confused and I thought I was on uh, a. a one of those uh, financial shows. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let me ask you about this. What is the secret to your success? Because so many people start with very good intentions. Personally, I think one of the secrets, having talked to Ryan, Beth, and Court as well as yourself, is that you're both scientists. So you're not just coming at this with good intentions. You're coming at this with knowledge. Tell us a little bit about your scientific background and what you know of Ryan's and how that ended up being just sort of kismet that you two talked and then you also had this shared vision.
2: Yes. So so I'm a chemist. I'm a scientist by background. I'm a chemist. Um, I, I grew up in Mexico, um, in Ciudad Juarez. Um, so it's a border town across from El Paso, Texas. And um, for me, I've always had, you know, I've always had an interest in science. And at first I thought, you know, I don't know why, but when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be a dentist. Like that was, that was my calling, I thought. Um, and then I grew up and I, 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 was, I was just drawn to science and to learning more and more. And so at one point, you know, like from a dentist, I wanted to be a doctor. And one of the interesting things is when I was in high school, so in my high school back in Mexico, um, we did sort of vocational training. So, you know, if you wanted to be a doctor, you had classes and classes and labs that were sort of directed at that type of that type of career. And in one of our labs, they said, hey, you know, you're interested in being doctors. We're going to take a road trip or a field trip. Sorry. We're going to take a field trip to the medical school. And so we took a field trip to the local medical school and we witnessed an autopsy. And right then and there, as soon as I walked into the morgue, I was like, I cannot be a doctor. I This is not for me. I am not a doctor. But I still had this love for science. And I had this love for nature and the environment. And I thought, OK, well, if I'm not going to be a doctor, then I really want to make an impact, like a positive impact on this world. And having grown up in my hometown, um, we really saw the change. So, you know, I grew up in the 90s. And this is when NAFTA happened. And so I saw that huge shift from, you know, like, in my, in my town from going like in, from agriculture to just manufacturing, right? And the impact that had on the environment. And so I, I just saw it, witnessed it firsthand. I was like, you know, I'm going to be an environmental scientist. And so I started looking into the classes and then um, what I found was that, you know, halfway through there, um, I just developed a, a love for chemistry. Like I, I know it sounds really nerdy. But um, I'm just like, I love chemistry. I love how much it helps us learn about the environment around us, um, how it helps us change it, but understand. Like, I just love science. Um, And so I won't geek out out too much, but that that set me on the path of just learning chemistry, learning about nature. Um, From my PhD, I studied biomaterials. So really understanding materials that exist in nature and how can we mimic them? How do we how do we create materials that don't rely on fossil fuels, for example? Um, I specialized in adhesives, like you know, it was I just loved how elegant and and simple nature can be, and so that just like just you know that I I just love I love that, and so. Um, when I, when I left graduate school, I knew that I wanted to go into industry because I didn't want to be in academia. I wanted to make a direct impact. And so um, the way I thought I could make an impact is by doing um, consumer products, right? And so it's like I, I, I want to do something that impacts people's lives every day. And so I became a product developer. Um, I was a product developer. I commercialized over, I would say, over 20 different products throughout my my career. And that's, that's sort of what connected me with Ryan, right? Like I had that connection through our mutual friend, but when Ryan heard all of the stuff that I made, he was like, Oh, that's really interesting. Cause he had met a lot of scientists, but not a lot of scientists who had actually created commercial products that were out in market currently. And so that was like, that sort of like planted a seed for him where it's like, Hey, this is the next step, right? Cause he was really interested at the time he was at Indie Bio, And he was converting scientists into entrepreneurs, right? Like that's one of his passions. Um, And he'll talk about it a lot and all the time, right? Where it's like people will dismiss scientists because they feel that we don't have that business sense or that we don't have that real world experience to transform our science into something that's useful for people in their everyday lives. And so... Um, I think when I told him about my experience and what I've done and my career, he got really excited, and I think that's what sparked the seed of like, hey, you know, I've got I've got the science, I've got the entrepreneurial spirit, um, I can like match it up with Abriel's, um, you know, like knowledge and experience launching products, and I think that's what sort of just gave us the right combination of skills to go out. And of course, you know, we had our other co-founders, Ron, who was like the crazy scientist with all the ideas and Kristen Worman, who was the salesperson um, at the time at our company. So we really had like sort of all the different fields of what a company needs to have right from the get go. What a dynamic team. I am so
1: inspired by you. I think you need to go out and talk to school kids all (laughs) over.
2: All I do you know one of my friends see. is a is a school teacher and she's like I need to get you into my classroom like oh, you yeah. tell me when I'm there. Oh yeah, we we need to have you cloned all over the place
1: speaking <laughs> of <laughs> speaking of high tech. All right, we're going to take another short break. We'll be back with a final segment. <laughs>
3: Influencers Channel. Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Influencers lead, but on Twitter,
0: they also follow. Check out
1: what the influencers are saying and talk back to us with your great ideas. Follow the Voice America Influencers Channel on Twitter at VA Influencers. That's at VA Influencers and join in. We don't follow, we
2: lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to Jane Unchained News at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Wild Earth, vegan dog food taking the world by storm. It was on Shark Tank. Mark Cuban invested. Then they got more than $20 million in investment and Guess what? Along with the treats and the kibble, they're now moving into cell-based meat. Um, again, uh, when you say it's going to be on the market in 2022, you're talking about a treat at this point, right? Yes. Yes. And um, then how do you plan to expand that Where? I mean, I cannot wait to, um, to get this and try it and uh, also give it to people. I mean, This is potentially, you know, game changing on such a massive level that it's almost mind boggling. Again, dogs would be one of the and cats would be one of the leading uh, meat eating nations, just the United States dogs and cats. Some have said ninth, some have said fifth largest meat eating nation. So we are dealing with a climate crisis. Right now, uh, we have COP26 coming up, the UN Climate Conference. Uh, People are saying we can't do business as usual. Greta Thunberg is saying blah, blah, blah to the half measures that have been expressed so far. One thing that everybody agrees on is that one of the biggest power, uh, most powerful things that each individual can do over the course of the day to reduce climate change is to eat plant-based. Three times a day, you can lower your carbon footprint. but Think about it. It's really six times. Well, I don't know if you feed your your dogs three times a day, but a couple of times a day. You can also lower your carbon footprint if you were to give dogs cell-based meat. Um, Cell-based meat obviously doesn't involve the methane that the animals produce. It doesn't involve the pollution, you know, the manure that... Uh, these animals produce so much manure. Iowa, which is a huge uh, industrial agricultural state, is dealing with it now. There's a huge uproar, which just the amount of manure that's going into the creeks and the rivers. All of that is eliminated. The hormones, most hormones, uh, the antibiotics, most antibiotics produced in the United States are fed to farmed animals because of the conditions they're kept in. All of that. Just put it away and you grow this in a giant vat. I mean, yeah. Uh, does it blow your mind to consider the
2: possibilities here the enormity of this i mean I've, at first when i heard about this it was like sci-fi right it's like what you're growing meat in you're growing meat in some sort of container and at first i thought gross um, but then the more I learned about it, it was just so ingenious, right? Because you think about tissue engineering, and if you're able to grow like a lung, if you're able to grow a heart, like, and actually have a viable organ grown for somebody to live the rest of their lives, it's, why can't we use this this um, science, this technology to do like even a more basic thing, which is just a piece of meat, right? And then one of the other things that I wanted to throw in there too Um, Jane, which is something that people don't realize is that about 25 or 30 percent of the environmental impact from meat in general is actually coming from pet food. So when you think about it, about a third of the meat that we're generating is going to feed pets in the U.S. And so that's really mind blowing, right, because they are basically if we continue to feed meat to our pets, they're going to overtake us on the environmental impact side too. And so the, populations, the population of pets is growing tremendously, not just in the U.S., across the globe, um, especially in places like China and India. You know, their pet populations are also growing. And so when you think about not just what's the impact of human, you know, we keep talki- talking about um, feeding 10 billion people um, by like 2050, right? Now think about feeding maybe just as many pets. And so then, the impact, the environmental chaos um, becomes like very, very clear. And so, you know, this, this is why we're here. We're trying, we're trying to change that. We're trying to prevent a lot of that climate impact.
1: Yeah, and it's not higher math. Right now, we're 8 billion humans forcibly impregnating. In other words, they're not just happening naturally, forcibly impregnating, and raising and slaughtering 80 billion land animals every year, that doesn't include fish. If you included fish, it would be in the trillions. Obviously, you don't have to be um, a student of higher math or Albert Einstein to figure out it's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable. This is a finite planet. So um, I actually uh, thought that this would happen first for people, and there is a cell-based meat uh, that was just recently unveiled, I believe in, uh, was it uh, Singapore? Uh, there was a first serving of a cell-based meat. And of course, all the reports were uh, about, well, it's, it was indistinguishable from chicken because it is chicken. It's just cell-based <laughs> chicken. But, uh, oh, well, this is you know, very fancy and it costs a lot of money. But how soon can it be brought down? I mean, that is the key point. Obviously, inventing it and developing it and testing it and getting it to market is the, the key, you ha- can't do anything without that. But then the next big hurdle is growing it in such quantity and selling it so that it becomes cheaper. And unfortunately the U.S. government subsidizes the old fashioned meat. Yes, yes, yes. So that's putting the thumb on the scale, but um, but address that a little bit because that that really is the big kahuna.
2: Yeah, so there are several things there. Um, the reason why that Singapore news was so amazing and and impressive was with Singapore basically just said, hey, this this is the future of food. Um, so they decided we're going to open up regulation. We're going to accept it. You know, there there is a lot of there's a lot of data that suggests you know, this is safe, right? And so the FDA is still working through through all of that, right? Like the regulatory side of things. But Singapore said, hey. We're going to do this. We're going to do this right. They opened up regulation and eat just, which is the first company that was able to, to get through that regulatory process in Singapore, um, put out that chicken. And so there, you know, there's companies, they're not just the only company. There's so many companies that are working and are ready to deploy as soon as governments start giving them like, Hey, yeah, you can go, you can go. And so we feel that in the, in the U S, that's going to be pretty soon and so we're we're ready right like we're 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 gonna be we're gonna be there um you know like at the at the finish line as soon as as soon as that's unveiled and so um you know to your question of how it was (laughs) actually I'm I'm trying to remember was it about well basically it's just like
1: you know It's one thing having a product. It's another thing making it available to everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, using the analogy of the electric car, yeah, you you finally, well, first of all, they had an electric car a long time ago, and there's a great documentary (laughs) who killed the electric car, (laughs) uh, and it was the worst decision, worst business decision, not just environmental and geopolitical, but the worst business decision. But uh, there's one thing having an electric car. It's another thing having it be affordable to the average person. So Absolutely. you see a lot of people driving around Teslas, but uh, though it's a you know, it's an expensive car at this point. Maybe it's getting less expensive, but when we got the uh, the, the 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 electric car that it, that pretty much anybody who can drive can afford, that's when it's
2: going to just it's yes. it. exactly. And you know, for this one, um, Beyond Meat is an ex- excellent example, right? Because um, they they were basically the first ones who came into market and said hey we're gonna do this it's worth doing let's take a little bit of a cost hit but our investors are here to support not just us as a company but the entire um, field of plant-based food and so um, when beyond meat first started um, and this is also true for impossible foods you know that they and, and it's true for wilders too. You know, right now we are spending a lot of money trying to get these products, trying to get that technology out there. Um, and this is why investors are so important for us. is because you know we don't necessarily we're not able to necessarily operate um, at a profit right now. And so we're we're building that market, right? We're building that market. We're building that that customer um interaction with us and we're building that customer awareness too that consumer awareness and so you saw with beyond me um at first they came in not a lot of people knew about them then they started to take off you know they were still putting in investment um money into their their operations and so then they went public and then they needed less and less and less and then they reached profitability right um because now there's a big market and people actually want this they want to try it they want to try different versions of the product right the sausage the ground you know the the ground meat product the 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 burger patties right and so just i mean this is this is the best way that consumers um can vote for this right it's like if, if you have the ability to purchase these products buy them. Um, for some people, it will be outside of their budget. But I think um, the people that can and want to, like, this is a way for consumers to invest in that technology, to invest in that industry so that, you know, by buying the first initial products, you're sort of investing in the future of that company and all of these different products in industry. Um, and so it's just sort of like a virtuous cycle, right? It's like the more that people buy it, the more that, um, more companies exist. Um, and then we just, we just sort of kick kick the meat industry off to the side because we're taking the market share. You know, it's just sort of like the business economics. We're taking market share. We're showing the consumer need. And then as people um, weighing off of meat products, then, you know, plant-based meat-based or plant-based cell-based meat um, take off. And then, you know,
1: And I think that's the meat the companies, which have, we've been hearing a lot about, that it's sort of a consolidation to almost four big companies. They're aware uh, that- the future of food is going to be meatless. Uh, J- oh, JBS oh, yeah, absolutely, I mean it's entire vegan line, and, and I mean it. it. It's it's certified vegan, and it tastes great. And so when uh, when one of the world's largest meat companies has its own certified vegan line of plant based meats, you know, hey. Um, but change is always difficult, and food is a very primal issue, and so uh, it. It's going to take some work to get people comfortable with this idea. But uh, I, I, you know, personally having been vegan for a quarter of a century, I personally am not going to eat it because that's not something that I'm interested in. But so many people who say I could never give up my meat. Well, you don't have to. It's right here. It looks, tastes, it's biologically
2: identical. Yes, well, and I would say it's, it's biologically identical. Um, in DNA form, but it's actually better, right? Because you're taking a lot of the the negatives from growing an animal in the environment, right? They're exposed to the same contaminants that we are, um, you know, probably even worse, right? Um, less less healthy water, you know, like, um, we can create a, 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 a meat product that's biologically identical, but it's actually better. Um, if that makes sense, so it's like you you will have your chicken, you will have your pork chop if that's what you wanted. Um, at first, you know we need to get we need to get the science to the point where you can actually create that structure and that texture and that entire feel, um, which a lot of companies are you know there's so many working. So um, chicken nuggets and beef burgers are one thing, but when you're trying to recreate a steak, I think that's when it gets um, a little bit more complex. But I mean, I've seen, I've seen companies create, um, um, you know, like basically ham, you know, with, with all the texture, all of the, the, the marbling of the meat. I mean, it's so impressive. And I think as soon as people see it and taste it, they're going to be blown away.
1: Well, and there are many people, uh, as a vegan myself, who say, well, you know, why are we good? It's the wrong direction. But I have to say, I'll quote Gene Bauer of Farm Sanctuary, and I don't know how he feels about cell-based meat, but I'm just saying his quote is, whatever causes less suffering. You know, right now, 80 billion animals are suffering horribly. Pigs are kept in gestation crates the size of their bodies, never able to turn around. Their tails are cut off. and all, you know, Birds are de-beaked. They peck each other to death because they're packed in cages. I mean, it's it's barbaric it's torture so if you could take all of that and just get rid of it and then of course uh, that would allow for um, not just the mitigation but many scientists make a very good argument the reversal of climate change reforesting all the areas that we don't use now for cattle grazing or to or to feed 80 billion animals who are eating most of the soy and a lot of the commodity crops Uh, you know that's just extraordinary, and uh, that is the future of food, say so yeah, you it's, and it's, others. Uh, I it's, personally it's, am always going to eat fruits, vegetables, nuts, <laughs> grains, legumes, but this is an option, and it's extraordinary.
2: So last 30 seconds. I, it's about choice. So you said options, and that that's what we want to provide, right? And when you think of options and you think about the milk, options that there are out there, right? I would I would say that there's there's probably um, a non-dairy milk that somebody will like out there because there's so many options, right? So it's sort of making cow's milk obsolete, right? Because now you have so many options. You don't like to milk. okay, what about all these other five, six different options? And so that's exactly what we're trying to bring to the table um, for the people that say, oh, I'll never give up meat. Okay, you don't have to, here you go cruelty-free meat, right, for people like yourselves. It's like, okay, um, I'm not interested in meat. You know, I'm happy with my, my plant-based um, veggie foods. It's like, okay, well, here's plant-based food for your doggies too. right. So it's really about creating that, that plethora of options so that people don't have to choose meat.
1: Abril Estrada, you are an inspiration. I have so enjoyed this hour with you. People, go to wildearth.com. Check it out. It's extraordinary. They are changing the world. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much, Jane.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Belez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.